Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Feelings can be great. We, we want to feel all these things. We want to know and experience these things. We want to desire. But what do you do when you don't have the desire, when your life is flat, and when you think, all I can do right now is put one foot in front of the other, and I don't even feel like doing that. Sermon by Matt Carpenter on December 6th. Lord's Day service. Our text this morning the book of Psalms, chapter 27. We'll read the entire chapter. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me, Read up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, and be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father, we come to you as beggars. We must receive from you, else we perish and we go down to the grave. But our trust is in you, the God of our salvation, and we ask, as you have promised, that you would. Cause your word in us to flourish and cause us to be as the trees planted by the rivers of water who bring forth their fruiting season, whose leaf will not wither and that they prosper. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 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 No one likes to wait. 
I've never met a person who said, I'm so grateful for the extreme patience I have in every area of life. We especially don't like to wait when we have people who hate us, who are all around us, waiting for us to make a mistake so that they can broadcast it to the world. That's most of our problems. David's problem was a little bit more severe. It was having a host of enemies around him who were waiting to kill him. We don't like to wait on that either. David knew what problems were like. And he knew that sometimes you want to go ahead and just get it over with. Let's just face the music right now, run through the trial, get through it, face the flame, and come out on the other side and go ahead and just, you know, we can stop, drop, and roll and put the fire in. But it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes we're required to sit to wait, and to let the inevitable trial and problem come to us slowly. If you read the story of David in 1st and 2nd Samuel, you know that he saw many trials and many enemies, both before he was king and even after he was king. Did you ever, when you were a little kid, did you ever think, boy, I can't wait to be an adult because then I can go to bed whenever I want. And I don't have to worry about all this stuff that I have to as a kid. Did you ever think like that? I did. Have you ever said to yourself, or maybe thought to yourself, boy, to be able to go back to being a kid when the worst problem I had making sure that my room was clean to my parents' satisfaction. Kids, being an adult is not as easy as it looks. But that's okay, because God's teaching you right now what you need to know, so that when you get to be an adult, you'll be ready. David faced trials no matter what period of life he was in. And in this psalm, we read David's confession that even though enemies were surrounding him, even though he could be eliminated, he was confident in God. It wasn't that there was no real threat. You know, a lot of times we, we, we can read a psalm that where, where we, we see confidence expressed and we can think, well, yeah, it's easy because you know, he'd probably already been through the battle and he already saw his enemies defeated because that's the time when we express confidence. But we can see from later on in this psalm that David had enemies in front of him. He was anticipating upcoming battle. There were people who were plotting against his life and against his strength. So enemies were a problem that weren't just in the past, but before him. He was in the middle of turmoil. Not only did he have enemies before him, he also had those close to him who had forsaken him. Even, as he will express in one verse, it felt like God was distant. 
from him. But even though he faced all of these things, he expresses confidence in God. So how do we get to that point? How can you get to the point where you can look at whatever is coming at you, the light at the end of the tunnel that you discover is actually a freight train, and you can say, with joy, Trusting the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? He begins by anchoring everything in God. Every hope, every fear, everything that he has, he ties himself and bases his strength on Almighty God. We see that in verse 1. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Adults, if we pretend before our children that we're never afraid of anything, that there's nothing that causes our confidence to waver at times, we are presenting before them a picture That doesn't mean we have to try to go on to the other extreme and be real. And every time we have a flicker of emotion, we have to tell everyone. That's not what I'm saying. But we cannot act like trials aren't a part of everyday life. This is how we teach our children. And this is how David teaches us. What would the scripture be like if the only thing we ever read were the victories that God's people faced? If we never, if we didn't have the book of Psalms, to see David's struggle, this mighty man of God who faced more situations than most of us ever will, thankfully. He had times of great trial and he had times of hope. He had times where his confidence was in the depths. We teach those coming after us how to walk by letting them know we need God's help, just like they did. Again, we can think David was confessing in a, from a position of strength, but victory was not visibly evident. He confesses his confidence in God despite what he saw, not because of what he saw. That's the most important time to have confidence. Anyone can be confident when you've already succeeded in the battle. Anyone can be confident when you were worried that the, when the boss called you into his office and you thought, I'm about to get sacked here because you've heard of all the layoffs coming and then he tells you, we're going to retain you. Anyone can be confident after that. It doesn't matter if you know the Lord or not. When you, you will feel elation when you get that message. It's when you're told, I'm not sure what we're going to do with your job. We'll let you know in two months. Then what do you do? David's foes came against him, and he said that they were hindered. 
He said they, in verse 2, they stumbled and fell. So they were temporarily halted, but they were not eliminated. The enemies are spoken of here as animals. He said, they came to eat up my flesh. So, so, so David looks at them. He compares them to wild beasts who would devour him. So they don't have his best interest in mind. But God works to protect his people when they put their trust in him. So again, in spite of the opposition that he faces, in spite of those who would oppose him, his confidence in God remains. So where does this come from? Where does he get this confidence? His confidence is in the grace of God. He knows that the God he serves is one who welcomes his children into his haven of protection. In verse 4, he said, David, the one thing I desire of the Lord. There is his, the most important thing to him, the thing that he would seek, is to dwell in the house, in the protection, in the cleft of God. He wants to be in the place where God's presence abides because that is the place where the saints do not have to fear. He said, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For, for in the time of trouble, he, that is God, shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, or of his tent, David is not saying, I want to spend all my time in the most holy place in the actual tabernacle. He is using this language about being in God's presence because that is the place where the saints are at rest. Now, some of the language here is not the language that we would expect from a powerful warrior. The one thing I desire is to behold the beauty of the Lord. What is that? Who talks like that? We're good at talking about our confession. We like that. We're not very good at talking about loving the beauty of Almighty God. Yet, what is more beautiful than a father who welcomes his children? He says in Psalm 91, like a, a mother hen who, who brings her chicks in, who broods over them to protect them. He wants to know the joy and the glory and the delight of God. That is what gives him confidence because he is confident that he has God on his side. He's confident that when he goes before his father, that the father receives him. So let me ask you, Saint, is that your Can you say one thing 
I desire to behold the beauty of the Lord. Do you delight in knowing that you are with God? And you can say, but that's, I would love to be there. I would love to be sheltered off in a place where no one else could get me. I would love to be where I knew that I am cared for and that I don't have trials and problems to worry about. Yeah, that would be great, but that's not where I am. I'm in a place, turmoil. I'm in a place where there's problems because I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my family. I'm, I have, name it. That's my problem. And I don't feel protected from any of it. That's when God says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll tell you that the sermon this morning is not heavy. Very simple point. And that point is wait on the Lord and be of good cheer. David yearned for the protection of God, for being in the haven of rest. And you say, How do I know if I'm there? I'm going to give you an answer that you would not expect. How do you know if you are walking with the Lord? Let me ask you this. Are you facing suffering? If you answered yes, I have good news. You can know the Lord is with you. When was the time when Jesus Christ, in his human life, when was he the most, when did he display the greatest obedience? It was not in the healing of people. It was not in serving multitudes. It was in the greatest period of suffering that he experienced. When he gave himself on the cross. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that even though we are facing suffering, the Lord is working in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Because when we suffer, the sufferings of Christ abound. The Lord calls you to come. He says, God will hide him. And you can know that the Lord will hide you. He will gather you, but you must, just like Peter had to look to Christ when he was sinking beneath the waves, you must look to him and say, Lord, save me. You say, well, I prayed that, but I don't feel any better. God, your feelings have absolutely zero to do with God's work in your life. 
it's not a bad thing. Feelings can be great. We, we want to feel all these things. We want to know and experience these things. We want to desire. But what do you do when you don't have the desire, when your life is flat, and when you think, all I can do right now is put one foot in front of the other, and I don't even feel like doing that. What do you do? You look to Christ in faith and you say, help me. One of the most beautiful prayers in all of Scripture is the prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So come to him, the place of safety. So bring him, bring the Lord your burdens and your trials, and I can promise you he will sustain you. Because it, it does not matter what you're facing. This morning I want to point out three different instances where we see David trusting God to hear and provide for him in this psalm. First of all, he trusts God when enemies surround him, verses 2 and 3. When his enemies are coming, we see it there, and he talks about how they, how the enemies stumbled and fell. But then we read again later in verse 12, Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me in such as breathe out violence. So these were the people he was still facing. It surely seems like allowing those who hate us to gain the upper hand means that God is not here. He's not with me. He's somewhere else. But David knows better. He maintains his trust in the Lord. He said in verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. So he knew that the Lord was with him even though his enemies surrounded him. Next, David remains confident even when God seemed distant. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Referring to the past, you helped me before, but now please don't go. Please remain. I need you. Do you hear the depth of intimacy that David has with God? This is not a self-righteous sounding prayer like the Pharisee prayed in Luke 18. This is not something where he's making sure that everything sounds appropriate and perfect. This is a heart cry. And that's what you can see in the Psalms. The Psalms are how we learn to pray, brothers and sisters. They teach us what it means to come to God with an open heart because our prayers are often lacking. They're filled with a lot more of man confidence than God confidence. So we need to learn to pray in this book. There are times when God seems far away. And we pray, but then we don't hear from him. You ever had that happen? You pray, and nothing, and you pray again. And it seems like he's just hiding. This is not the only time David says, don't 
turn your face from me. Don't hide from me. I mean, we don't like praying this way because we know that in our minds that it's not true. But we also know that in our hearts it feels very true sometimes. We are tempted to lose heart because our prayers are not answered. But he's there. He says he does not despise the prayers of his children, even though they suffer long. So even when God seems far away, he's not. But then third, David continues in trust in God even when those close forsake him. Verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. David knew what it was like to be forsaken. We can read about it. When he goes before, when he's just going to the battlefield early in his life, he didn't know he would fight Goliath, but he sees Goliath there, and he's talking, and he says, well, why, why are you guys letting this giant blaspheme God? And what do his brothers say? His brothers, instead of saying, you're right, and this is embarrassing, but no, they don't have any trust. They mock him, and not just one, all of him. Now, I want to think about this. This is the battlefield, and instead of this one man, this one young man who's speaking right, who's speaking the truth, who's speaking in faith, his family mocks him. Later on, we know that one of his sons rebelled against him and led an open rebellion in his kingdom against him. And just the fact that he says, when my father and mother forsake me, implies that there was a time when his, even his parents turned away. When you follow Christ, the times when you need people, sometimes people will fail. Those who you, whom you count on will not be there. And then there will even be times when those that you've counted closest to you will turn their back on you openly. They will turn away from you, and they will let everybody else know that they turned away from you. And you not only may at times feel that you have enemies, but you feel like those who are on your side are no longer there. Think of Jesus. Going before in his trial, who was helping him? Who was on his side? It said that all of his followers left. They weren't there during the trial. One apostle, John, was there at the crucifixion. When you follow Christ, there will be people, friends, family, and others who forsake you. But if you are facing that, God promised. To provide. He promises to uphold you. When father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me. You remember Joseph? The patriarch? 
who was he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Think of the Apostle Paul. One of the saddest words, statements of the Apostle Paul is found in the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is recognizant Paul's last letter that he wrote. And in 2 Timothy, he said, chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, Alexander's congressman did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his words. You must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. So Paul was afflicted with an enemy, with multiple enemies. But he said, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. This old saint of God, who had been faithful for years and years, when he is standing in defense, no one else is there. Now you would think if you've been faithful for a long time that you deserve a little bit of credit, right? But Paul doesn't in there either. He says in the very next verse, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles The Lord maintained Paul. And not only did he sustain him just enough to make it, he sustained him so that Paul could then turn and preach the word. He could be faithful in the vocation that God had given him. When we face these things, enemies, emptiness, loneliness, it is great. We can become empty. Yet we can still cling to this. You will see the goodness of the Lord. As he said in verse 13, I would have lost heart. It would have been impossible for me unless I believed. Unless I knew. Unless I had hope that I would see the goodness of the Lord. And we keep our hope up by remembering what God has said. We meditate on his promises. God will bring deliverance. The Lord will stand and does stand with you. So David ends with this exhortation to himself. And then to us. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart this is not spoken by a man who didn't know what it was like it was spoken by one who knew exactly what it was like he's in the middle of this right now he has not seen his victory come about yet He's preaching to himself, and so must you also preach the word to yourself. Wait on the Lord. The season of Advent is one of waiting. We wait for the coming, for the revealing of Christ, and not just in the last resurrection. We wait for the revealing of Christ in whatever we are facing right now, but saying, 
You may be waiting for the deliverance of Christ, but he has already come. He is with you now. And in the suffering that you face right now, the Lord is sustaining you. He is with you. He has not left you. So come into his presence. Hide in him through receiving his word, through prayer to him. Seek the beauty of the Lord. Strengthen yourself in God's goodness and provision. Preach God's promises to yourself. Be patient, brothers and sisters, because God is with you, and he will hear you, and he will deliver you. Father in heaven, we thank you for your good word. We pray that you would sustain us through all that we face. Give us the grace to come to you in faith. Cause us to wait upon you and to be of good courage. We pray this through Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. dot